Whether in the media, our government, or our schools, Christianity faces tremendous intellectual persecution. This program stands on the intellectual front lines. With disarming honesty, we engage the most difficult issues facing Christians today. I want to welcome you to Theology Unplugged, the radio outreach of Credo House Ministries in Edmond, Oklahoma. We sit down over lattes at the Credo House coffee shop and just talk theology. I'm Michael Patton, president of Credo House Ministries. I'll be leading the discussion along with Tim Kimberly, director of ministries for Frontline Church Edmond, Sam Storms, lead pastor of Bridgeway Church, and finally J.J. Side, pastor of community and discipleship at Bridgeway Church. Theology Unplugged, welcome. We are sitting here in the studio at Credo House in Edmond, Oklahoma. Stop by for the best latte that you will have. Well, you, let's be honest. We are unplugged. It's the third best latte you'll have in Oklahoma. Okay? Really? Yeah. Where are the others? I'm not going to tell you the others. Evoke. Coffee, coffee slingers, slingers and evoke. <laughs> Well, but, and then let's just also say for those of us who are rather plain in our taste, just for a good cup of coffee, no, don't say full. No, spe- no, I didn't say that. Just a just a plain old cup of Joe without all the the stuff that you guys throw into it. Because I know you like these fancy concoctions. I just like plain coffee. Is that all right? Mm-hmm. The, uh, we you're, are. You're plain do you coffee. actually serve that at Crazy? It is plain you coffee. Just, just, just plain it's coffee. It's just uh, we do. What do we do? Free market. No, it's it's poor. Uh, the pour over a uh, single origin, fair trade. Fair trade. There we go. Is that too See? fancy for you? Sorry, um, sorry if we do fair trade. It's not free market. You use slave labor for your coffee. That's cool. Uh, I, I we'll, we'll do a podcast on is it uh, is it Christian or can you be a Christian and use non slave labor coffee like you the ethics of coffee <laughs> <laughs> or if you just prefer um folgers out of a mr coffee machine or a keurig is that heretical here well it's not heretical no, it's just un- I, I, it's just unchristian all right it's uncouth yeah i right. plug in my coffee maker at the house okay i don't use a pour over i don't use anything so i'm with you sam all right i just don't uh, want we're, anyone we're else done here because carrie is the coffee bar manager and supposed to be uh, oh sorry <laughs> edit that out yeah, edit, Carrie. This is uneditable, but edit that. No, I'm not. Okay. All right, go ahead. Let's actually get on the ball here. What's the topic? Okay, called into ministry, kind of the same theme as what we were talking about last time, but we're not necessarily going to cover the seminary part. Five questions to ask yourself. This is this is what I encourage people to ask. You guys can add. You guys can disagree. But for those of you who are listening, you may be listening and you have you, you yourself feel called into ministry. You yourself may um, know of somebody close to you, a family member, who thinks they're called into ministry. Here are the five questions that I have to ask you. Because I think, here, here's my assumption, is that every time a Christian really gets passionate for the Lord... They feel that they are called into formal ministry, okay? Everybody's called into ministry in some sense, but some type of formal ministry to where now it is my full-time job. I'm quitting my job. I'm trusting the Lord to provide for my 
street evangelism ministry, my missionary ministry, whatever it is I suddenly have a passion for. Five questions to ask yourself. Question number one I have is this. Do you have an unrelenting passion? Okay, now what I mean by that. I mean, this is not something that is a passing passion. This is something that is with you continually. It's not something that you listen to a sermon and you have a passion today and maybe in a month it will be gone. It is something that really has to be nagging at you for some time. It is, whenever I was Whenever I felt like I may be being called into ministry, it lasted a year before I really started exploring it. I started trying to find other avenues in which I could I could fulfill this. Okay, let me interrupt you here. Okay. So by an unrelenting passion, are you suggesting then, as it has often been said, that um, if you... Uh, were to envision yourself doing anything else, you would be in utter misery and in depression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I can say yes for me. I the thought of doing anything else, and again, it's not to disparage other callings and other vocations and careers because they're they're all good, at least most of them. But for me, I would be miserable. I would be depressed. I would be crushed. Um, and there's, I, there's simply no way that I can get around that. It's, is that enough? No, it's not enough, but I think it's very important. Uh, I think, you know, Michael, we were talking at an, on another occasion about whoever it was that first said it, that if you can do anything else in life and find happiness and satisfaction in it, uh, aside from full-time ministry, do it. Yeah. That was Charles Spurgeon. Was it? Yeah. yeah. In his book, uh, Letters to Seminary Students, is mm-hmm. that what it's called? Um, I'm not real sure what it is. Uh, lectures to my students. Yeah, lectures called, to yeah. my students. And that was one way he started it off. Yeah. If you can find anything else to do it, do it. Do, do, make this. But if the thought it, of doing anything else makes you depressed and miserable, that's at least an indication that you may well be called into full-time vocational ministry. What do you think? Are you saying, though, that if somebody's listening to that and they say, I, I, I really have this kind of passion, I'm, I really feel driven toward it, and I really am strong about it, However, I also like computer programming. In other words, what if somebody has the, the kind of passion you're talking about, but on the other hand, they don't, they're not depressed about doing something else. I just wonder if we're overstating that. They might be confused. Like, oh my, oh my gosh, according to what these guys are saying, if I like doing anything else and could conceivably see myself doing it, I'm not called a minister. Well, I think... What most people mean by that, Clint, at least what I would say is, is that we, we articulate it that way because ministry is so hard. It is so painful. It is so demanding. Um, it is costly to one's personal life. And I think the idea is, look, if you can find joy and happiness in something else, spare yourself the agony and the anguish of uh, being a local church pastor. That's, I think, what was behind what Spurgeon and others were saying. Yeah, because we're all going to have passion for other things that do make us happy in a sense. But whenever we pursue those other things to the neglect, secondarily putting this, this will always creep back up front. In neutral, your mind will go back towards this. When you're falling asleep at night, you're dreaming of this, not of your computer programming. That's what I would say. 
Okay, so that's one essential element, but there's, there has to be more. Well, I'd say do you have personal integrity? I mean, and, and what I mean by that is... That's overrated. Th- this is... Th- th- <laughs> I, I, I do have to be careful here because none of us have real personal integrity if we take assessment of ourselves, especially, especially at the time, this time, that we don't really have integrity in every area. But what I'm saying is that there has to be some period of time before, uh, uh, to be frank, before I, whenever I started having to, dis- whenever I started thinking I wanted to go to seminary, was in the midst of me going from bar to bar to bar, drinking, women's, women was the issue, women, and then the next day, Oh, forgive me. I forgot. I needed to go to seminary, and it you was, make it sound like going to seminary is doing penance for all your sins. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, and so it is this give and take that slowly the passion for seminary, the passion for serving the Lord. Let's put it that way, mm-hmm. outweighed all of those other all those other sins in my life. Not that there's sin, no sin in my life. There's plenty of sin in my life, but there are reproachable sins that were in my life that I could be called into account for, you know, that, I mean, maybe I had pride in my heart, but nobody sees that on the outside and says, you see, I see pride. Here it is for sure. Here's the tangible evidence of it. This is something I discovered later on. But if I go there and I'm, you know, yeah, I just, you know, I I quit sleeping with someone just last week and here I am in the interview office. I'm, uh, you know, I may still have whiskey on my breath today, but I promise to stop right now. It's the personal integrity that you have to some degree that has had some longevity. So so are you talking about what uh, Paul meant in 1 Timothy 3 when he said that... um, an individual must be above reproach. Yeah. And then later he talks about uh, must be well thought of by outsiders. So no scandalous type of um, a dishonesty or a lack of integrity that would disqualify you and undermine the ability of others to put their trust and their confidence in your leadership. Read the pastoral epistles over and over again. Right. Beforehand. Yeah, yeah, the key word you just used, I think, is disqualify. So even if a guy thinks emotionally, but I love doing it and I really want to do it, the fact is these elements disqualify you right now, right? And that's what you're saying. It's not not even so much that, well, because you do those things, that proves to me you don't want to very... You don't want to minister very bad because you're like this, but even if you claim you do, because I don't know what you claim to want, you're disqualified. No, I'm going to put you guys both on the spot. Are you disqualified if you want to go to seminary, but you have been divorced? (laughs) Well, uh, that would depend on the uh, circumstances of the breakup of that marriage. It would depend upon um, what the grounds were. If it was because of your own um, sexual infidelity, that would lead to one conclusion, perhaps. What if it was um, a sexual infidelity before you started following the Lord? Yeah, so you just complicated things. I was going to give <laughs> a caveat simple answer. After caveat. Yeah. Um, I think, again, the issue you're raising here is a question of character. You called it integrity. I just call it a more broad, over, uh, kind of a more comprehensive term, just the fundamental issue of character. 
are there such deficiencies of character? Is there a, is there a history and a, uh, a track record, so to speak, of these kinds of moral and verbal failures that would disqualify you? I wouldn't, I know that there are some who say that, uh, you know, the Paul's statement that an elder must be the husband of one wife means that he could never have been divorced. I don't think that's what that means. I think it means he needs to be faithful to his spouse and loyal and devoted to her and not a man with a wandering eye, not given to emotional engagement with someone not his spouse. I, I would not say, I, personally, I would not say that a person who's been divorced is necessarily disqualified from seminary or being a, uh, in full-time ministry as a What pastor. about you, Clint? We hope you're enjoying today's program, and we'll get right back to it in a minute. But right now, we're here separately with Michael Patton getting unplugged about Theology Unplugged. Michael, what does it take to keep Theology Unplugged on the air with Bot Radio Network? Well, the growth we've seen on Bot and the Theology Unplugged on Bot has just been extraordinary and fun and exciting for us as a ministry. But in this growth, we have to begin to crunch numbers and look and say, what does it take for us to stay on Bot? And that's where we're at. We're asking the question, and we're turning to the listeners, and we're saying, do you like us? Do you enjoy us? And if so, would you stand behind us and help us stay on Bot Radio? So if someone wanted to help, if they were blessed, what would they need to do? Well, first I would say go to credohouse.org and find out more about us. Click on our doctrinal statement and find out who we are if you need to know more. You could also ask us specific questions at theologyunplugged at credohouse.org. Most importantly, if you click on the donate button, there is a specific place that is set aside for Bot Radio Theology Unplugged, and click on that and donate through that. Hmm. Thank you, Michael. We'll return to the program. Thank you. Yeah, but the first thing you, when you said that, the first thing I thought was, oh, tell me who it is and, wh- and what happened. It's like saying, is, are you disqualified if you ever killed a man? Well, did you kill him because he uh, insulted you and you were mad? Or did you kill him because he was coming in your house, coming through your door with a gun? I mean, context to me matters. And so just the big D itself, if I just see that in their history, I'm not just going to be like stamp, rubber stamp him, denied. Well, I, I had a guy that was uh, for the most influential person to me in the early 90s that uh, had a divorce while he was a Christian. And um, I can never could figure out why he was not used more significantly. Churches would not hire him. They'd go from place to place. Incredible preacher. One place even said, you're so good of a preacher, we don't want the congregation worshiping you rather than God. Um, but he got a divorce. Why did he get a divorce? Because whenever he started following the Lord, his wife said he couldn't take it, and she left him. You know, there's a there is a denomination that will remain unnamed uh, that when you apply for financial support, maybe you're going to plant a church, for example, they ask you three questions. Number one, do you drink? Number two, do you have a private prayer language? Number three, have you ever been divorced? You know, it's like those are the three biggies that outrank. Oh, by the way, do you believe in the deity of Jesus? Did he rise from the dead? You know, that might be important. Yeah. I'm familiar and, with that denomination. Yes, so am I. But so it's the issue of character. What else, Michael? I, don't, I want to get to all these five issues you've got. We're okay. going to run out of time. Okay. Have other people encouraged you to do so? Now, this is the issue of community. This is the issue of being involved in a community and being open to community. I have a guy, for example, who feels the passion 
who has all of these other qualifications, but in the end, nobody has ever said, hey, I think you ought to go to seminary. Hey, I think you ought to be a pastor. And his idea is, I am being called, period. That is what the Lord says. And I said, listen, here's what I want you to do. Keep doing what you're doing and listen to the advice of others. So in other words, you're talking about uh, affirmation. Has somebody come to you and said, you know, uh, when you led that Bible study the other day, I was really blessed. You have some incredible insights into the Word of God that I've, that, that, that I've never heard before, and you have a way of articulating that and expressing it in a way that's clear and persuasive. You know, if you've never had that happen, if nobody is, in other words, does the question is, if you think you're called to be a leader, look behind and see if anyone's following. So have you been affirmed? Have people said, um, I recognize in you gifting. You've got a, you've got, uh, the, 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 the presence of the Holy Spirit in such a way that you have made a difference in my life and in the lives of others. Has that ever happened? If that has never happened, you need to ask yourself, why? Do you think it's detrimental enough to say, if this has never happened, then you should not be called into full-time seminary until something like that happens? I would say maybe you need to slow down, put it on pause, and perhaps you just need to go to people that you know, that care about you, and say, look, I need you to be honest with me. I don't want you to flatter me. That's not going to help me. I don't want you to tell me what you think I want to hear. I need to hear from you. When you have observed me interacting with people, when you've watched me teach and you've listened to me, has it made a difference? Do you detect in that that the Lord has equipped me to do this full-time for the rest of my life? So if you've never heard it, go ask the people that you know, that you trust, and, and really insist that they be honest with you about it. And if they look at you and say, well, all right, you've asked me to be honest, the answer is, uh, not really, uh, then you you probably need to pause and put it on hold and pray. Maybe it's because of a lack of formal education that we talked about last time. Maybe you need, do need to spend some time uh, under the leadership and be mentored as an apprentice by somebody who is gifted and called. Carrie, you haven't said much. What do you think? Do you think that that is detrimental? People encouraging you to go, affirming you and your gifts and encouraging you to go into full-time ministry. I think that's a very subjective aspect of it, but <clears throat> I think it's it, it, there's something to it. Is it essential? Nobody's ever encouraged you. Nobody's well, ever said I would anything. Think because the, 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 the body point, of Christ has not well, said whole, you need to be in yeah. here. Well, the whole point to engage in ministry is to serve others in a certain way. You know what I mean? Um and I think that, but if you're talking about like at a pastoral level to engage in that way, if these are the kind of people that you're going to be pastoring, and if, if those type of people aren't saying, you know what, you'd be really good at pastoring me, you know, essentially. Isn't it similar to the discussion yeah. that we always have about gifts? People always wonder about gifts. And uh, one of the things you, that, well, at least I've heard a lot of times is, well, I mean, come on, are, are you any good at it? I mean, mm-hmm. that sounds kind of a plain and not super spiritual, but at the same time, I mean, come How on. How do you if, know? If people <laughs> say to you, you know, man, maybe that's not your best thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's someone could still play the trump card. Well, I don't care what you say because the Lord gifted me. 
But most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we know it's kind of like I figured out a long time ago uh, that, uh, hey, teaching is great, but counseling is hard and I'm terrible at mm-hmm. it. In fact, my wife recently uh, told me I should go take uh, the uh, counselor deal that you guys are doing, yeah. with Sam. She's like, you should do that because... Because it's an area of weakness, and you should try to train yourself in your area of weakness. But I, but I admit it, and I know it, but part of it is, like you said, whenever times would come and I'd be trying to like be the counselor, I'd be like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm not helping anybody. You know what I mean? The fruit of it was just so poor. It felt like they were... Well, real quickly, let me just add to that. So what I hear you saying is you might be gifted, you might have skills, you might have um, a, a sharp mind, but what if you don't like people? What if yeah. you're what if you're so introverted that you really don't want to hang out with other Christians? Um, is that a disqualification? Is there a need to to really have a deep and abiding love and concern for the welfare of human souls? I could say mm-hmm. maybe you could be a teacher, but you can't be a pastor. So in other words, we uh, we say go go be a professor in that seminary that we're, is supposed to be there to train all these people to learn how to love people. So we're going to go learn from a bunch or, or, or of professors teach. who don't care about people. Well, I think you're saying there has to be a pastoral element because the whole point of teaching is because you care about people's souls. Okay, they can be I know some people who've written some superb um, commentaries and theological books and apologetic uh, treatises um, that I wouldn't uh, dare put in a pulpit. But, okay, but they contribute in other ways. I got two more. We got to go through quickly. Are doors being opened through your experience? In other words, I'm talking to somebody and they say I've got all these elements, but there's just no doors that are being opened. There are. There's no financial doors being opened. There's nothing that is is really uh, compelling me uh, to say this is the Lord through my experience that I have been accepted in the seminary or I have the finances to go to the seminary. I have the support. So you're, you're appealing then to providence in a sense. Yeah. Has God providentially created opportunities and resources that's going to make it possible for you to do whatever's necessary to enter into this kind of ministry? Now, I think that's a factor. I don't think it should be a decisive one. Because I've heard people just go to seminary, and to, if Tim were here, he'd say, I just loaded up and went, and we provide, uh, counted on the Lord to provide. But sometimes you don't. Sometimes you have to really, people are of the mindset, I really have to have them all my ducks in a row, and that's a responsible thing, too. Well, sure. now that seminary is online and available, doesn't that change the circumstantial, uh, providential tea leaves? Yeah, but you can't reading? go online, according to number one. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, number th- uh, number five, the last one. one, is your spouse in support if you're married? If you're married. If, is your spouse, spouse in support of this direction? In other words, does she have to be called just like you? Yeah, that's right. So if the spouse says no, you say yes, you've got everything, doors opened, passion, everything, and your spouse says no, Sam, what do you do? Well, you pray, <laughs> uh, you seek counsel, uh, you try to discern why she has that, um, that fear or hesitation. Are there reasons for it that maybe are good and godly on the one hand, or maybe are selfish and uh, materialistic on the other? So I think you need to probe deeply in her heart, what is the reason for this? And, um, in the re- and she remains obstinate, what do you do? 
I would, I would be very reluctant to move forward into pastoral ministry if my wife was not supportive of me as she is. I, I had think, a guy who divorced his wife well, in order to do what God was I think was you just, you, let's just go back to the issue of disqualification. <laughs> might, might that be a disqualifying now, did, factor? Did he go to Dallas Seminary, in which case he well, went Well, let's just say this, let's just say this. After he did that, he never was able to qualify for any seminary. Yeah. So his passion yeah. drove him to I'm going through the big D and don't mean Dallas. This isn't a definitive answer. I would just say this from 41 years of being in pastoral ministry. If your wife, if your spouse is not on board, supportive, excited, and uh, affirming, it's going to make it very, very difficult for you to succeed. We hope you've enjoyed today's broadcast. If it's blessed you, they'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to join the group again next week for another edition of Theology Unplugged. Theology Unplugged is a listener-supported ministry of the Credo House. They're a theological hub and coffee shop, and their address is 109 Northwest 142nd Street in Edmond, Oklahoma, 73013. They're open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 9 p.m., and Saturdays, 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Please consider this your official invitation. You're invited to come and visit the Credo House and discuss today's program or take a tour of the theologically rich surroundings. You might also enjoy one of their signature drinks like a Luther latte or a Nicene mocha. In fact, if it's your first time in the Credo House and you mention that you heard their program on Bot Radio Network, you can have the drink of your choice for free. For more information or to support this ministry, visit credohouse.org.